You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Good morning, everybody. I've got uh, one little notice to give you before we get on with today's message, and that is that uh, as we've looked at and as Tom mentioned in his uh, video, we're a church that's growing. It's a great privilege to be part of a church that God's uh, building and growing. As uh, many people have come through our doors in the last few months, people have come to know Jesus, put their trust in Jesus, and uh, so people are looking to get baptized. The Bible says, believe and be baptized, as uh, John mentioned just now. And to that end, we want to help people understand what is baptism, uh, to answer questions you have. Why uh, are some people baptized, some others not? Uh, Why as a church do we not really consider baptizing babies? That sort of thing. Uh, We want to help people understand. So if you're interested in looking into baptism, uh, at Thursday, Thursday, on Thursday this week uh, at 7.30, for about 45 minutes in this building downstairs will be a looking into baptism session, okay? So it's uh, Thursday the 4th of May. It's Star Wars Day, if you ever heard that before. May, May the 4th be with you. Uh, so come, don't forget that. If you're interested in baptism or you know somebody else that is, uh, then invite them along uh, to, to look into it with us together. Just finally, before we get going, I want to pray for healing. We've done this a bit lately. We've seen God heal people. Last time I preached, I, I, I prayed just before we started that God would come in healing power. And somebody said to me afterwards that they had had uh, pain in one half of their body uh, for months. And as we prayed, it disappeared like that. And uh, it hasn't come back since. That was over a month ago. Isn't that amazing? Our God is with us. Our God is a healing God and he's with us. Yeah, we can applaud if we want. Let's applaud God. Isn't it great to be part of a church we believe in and know and experience the presence of the living God? So I'm going to pray again now for people. If you're experiencing pain in your body somewhere, you've got an injury or you've got an illness, maybe you get headaches, uh, why don't you just uh, focus on that and and receive now as we pray. And uh, as I prayed this morning uh, before church, I felt that God put on my heart uh, people with mental illness and, and anxiety and fear. And I felt that God even said that he has got the ability to change neural pathways. Do you know what that is? Uh, that when people have addictive tendencies and they keep choosing and choosing and choosing something, it's almost like a, a river or a, a pool that overflows and makes a river. Uh, and the water will always go that way. And it, it's like that in our brains. If we choose and choose and choose, we will always start to go that way. And God says there are addictive behaviors that he can change the neural pathways uh, supernaturally. So I'm going to pray for that now. Let's just uh, focus. If you, if you want those around you to pray, lay hands on you, that's fine. You can lay hands on yourself. Father, we just thank you that we are part of a living body. Lord, we thank you that we are standing in Jesus. Lord, we, we are not uh, hopeless here. We're not just shouting uh, to an empty sky. We are the people that God inhabits by his presence. And Lord, we know that your healing presence is with us right now. We know you have uh, the authority over the principalities and powers, and we stand in you. So we have authority. Our words have authority. So Lord, we call on your name. Uh, we call on your healing power. I pray that you would come against uh, back pain now in Jesus' name. I pray you'd come against problems in legs now in Jesus' name. I pray you would heal uh, bad eyesight and, uh, and, and painful ears in Jesus' name. I pray would you end headaches that are ongoing now in Jesus' name. 
Lord, I do pray for that neurological problem where people have addictive tendencies or, or maybe just constantly go to fear and depression. Lord, break that now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, you have the power uh, to set the captives free. You have the power to bind up the brokenhearted. So, Lord, we call on that power now. We say, enemy, flee in Jesus' name. You have no place here. We are the people of God. Get lost in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If anything happens to you, let us know because we love to feed back to people to grow faith. We're a people that know the active and wonderful healing power of Jesus. Amen. Right, so we are going to be speaking about, is God your promised land? We're looking in the book of Exodus, and I am indebted to Mike Wilkerson, who wrote this book called Redemption. Uh, and uh, we, we see in the book of Exodus a story, a pattern of redemption, the redemption of God, how he works redemptive plans for his people. I'm basically using a chapter from this book today, and uh, so we will come back to that. We'll be in Exodus 33 around that but the, 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 the uh, scripture will be on the screens. We're looking at God's presence, how we are called to be a people of God's presence. Usually, if, you, if you're a guest here, you might not realize, usually we'll go through a series as a church together, either a book of the Bible or a topic. Uh, but today, we're in between series, so this is a one-off. But I wonder if you've ever had the experience of being in the presence of God. If you know, yeah, I know there was a time, a service, uh, a time in my room, a time when I was praying, uh, where I knew I was in the presence of the living God. I know that there are people here from all sorts of backgrounds. Some of you, it might be the first time you set foot in a church. Others of you, you barely remember a Sunday where you haven't been at church. Some of you, you grew up in Christian households. Others of you, your household would not be interested to know about Christianity. Maybe you feel like God is constantly with you. Or maybe you feel like you used to know that, but it's been a long time since you felt God's presence. It may have left you disillusioned or numb. You may feel quite cynical. You may even think back to experience of being in God's presence and think, I think I was just having a good day. I think I was just inspired by a preacher, but was it really God's presence? Well, David, as we just heard, actually, in, uh, as Rachel brought, uh, is, is a bit like us with that. David, uh, maybe you know some of his experience in the Psalms, where he could write things like, Come, let us make a joyful noise to the Lord, the rock of our salvation, for he is a great God. And things like, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And yet, at other times, writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And listen, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. At times, God feels close. At other times, he feels absent or distant. Take Jemima. She was a committed Christian who knew intimacy with God. She desperately wanted a husband and children And she was beginning to feel that maybe it was getting too late as she approached her 40s. Finally, she met a man who she fell in love with and they got engaged. But weeks before her wedding day, her mum and sister both died in a car crash. Months after a difficult honeymoon period, she found out that her husband had a secret addiction to pornography. But throughout all of these trials, she remained hopeful and her perseverance even gave her a great story to tell of God's faithfulness in times of stormy difficulty. Finally, she found that she was pregnant and she was overjoyed. This seemed to be the confirmation to her that God was with her. 
Sadly, she miscarried the baby and found that with this final blow, it was all too much to handle. She became disillusioned and found that the only way to make sense of her circumstances was that God had abandoned her, which was the most painful thing of all. The presence of God overwhelms us. It brings us peace and joy and even euphoria. In God's presence, we feel alive. But if God seems to be absent, if God seems to be distant, it can be unbearable. It can be so hard to take when he feels that, it feels that he's, not, he's, not, he's not present in the way I want him to be present. It can feel so painful. And this whole story of God can be understood in terms of his presence. He's a God who desires to be present with his people. And as I said, we're going to look at the story of the Israelites in Exodus. I don't know if you've seen any of the movies, the Charlton Heston one or the more recent Christian Bale one, where Moses uh, is, is in relationship with God. And uh, the people of God are oppressed in the, the nation of Egypt. The Israelites are in Egypt, but they are under oppression. They are slaves. They are in captivity. And in their captivity, in their distress, they cry out. As John helpfully just pointed out, in our distress, we cry out. We don't get passive. We shout, God, come save us. Intervene. Step in. And God was faithful to them. And everything changes when God's presence came in. In the Exodus story, God seems to be absent while Pharaoh's presence dominates and oppresses God's people as they cry out to him. He saves them as he comes down and gets involved. He is present. It's when he makes his presence known that he delivers them. After the Israelites leave Egypt as he delivers them, God's presence remains with them in pillars of cloud and pillars of fire. He leads them to Mount Sinai with these pillars. He's present with them. And they start to take on this identity. We are the people of the presence of God. That's who we are. We have this great privilege of being the people who God dwells with. At the mountain, he was present with them in thunder and lightning and smoke. And from the mountain, God revealed that his whole purpose in delivering them from Egypt had to do with his presence. This is why I delivered you. We look at Exodus 29, 46. They shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. That's why he brought them out, that he would dwell among them. I don't know if you recognize, as I said, that there's stories of redemption in Exodus that we are supposed to identify with. There's a pattern, a picture for us that God as Christians, if you're a Christian here today, has brought you out of captivity. Out of slavery to sin. He's redeemed you. He's freed you. His presence has come in and changed everything. And his presence remains with us. That's why he saved us. So he wants to be a God who is with his people. He wants to be among us. And the story of uh, Exodus, as the, they travel, they, they make all sorts of silly behavior choices. Uh, just like we do in our Christian walk. It's not just, okay, you're freed and everything was perfect. You, you walk from freedom straight and arrive at the promised land. No, there was a journey to take. And as Christians, we know, yeah, I may be uh, free, but there's a journey for me to go on of trusting in God. The, the enemy didn't just leave them. He came after them. 
the Pharaoh came after them. And God had to deliver them from Pharaoh by crashing the waves over them. He let the people go through the Dead Sea. Again, you may have read it or seen the movies. Uh, at the Red Sea, sorry. And, uh, and then the waters came crashing down on the enemies. God has completely finished it. As a Christian, we know Jesus said at the cross, it is finished. It's done with. It's dealt with. He's gone, your enemy. He defeated the principalities and powers. And yet still, as the Israelites go into the wilderness, they make choices where God says, I want you to trust me for food daily. Only take so much. Don't take more. If you take tomorrow's food, it will rot. I want you to trust me for food tomorrow. I'll provide tomorrow's food tomorrow. They can't trust him. They take too much. They think, no, I need to take. I take. And it rots. And they uh, find that God was faithful. He was true to what he was saying. And they realize we're still not trusting this God. That's many times we're like that. God will say, trust me, trust me. No, I've got to take. I've got to take what I want. I've got to take my safety net. God will say, no, trust me. Other times they chose to... uh, At one time they said, actually, God, it was better for us in Egypt. This life in the wilderness is difficult. And as a Christian, you may know Christianity is difficult. It's hard. God doesn't bring us into uh, into, just uh, a life of no trials. He brings us into a a sacrificial life to know that he is still the better way. He is uh, the cost of discipleship is great. The cost of non-discipleship is greater. That we would know he is worth the cost that I pay. But there are times when the Israelites say, I'd rather go back to Egypt. There was better food there. And as Christians, we sometimes might think, I'd like to go back and indulge my old life. I just want to go back and, and, and indulge in my desires. So the story of redemption is helpful for us to recognize where our hearts are still grappling with our past that we've been freed from. But the Israelites have come to know that everything about them, their purpose, their identity, their future, their freedom could be understood in terms of God's presence. We are a people of the presence of God. Throughout the rest of the Israelites' journey from the mountain to the promised land, God continues to make his presence known to them through the tabernacle. He says, make a dwelling place for me. Make a tent of very specific proportions and, and out of very specific uh, uh, fabrics and, and golds and, and, and do this so that I can dwell among you. I want to be among my people and put it in the center. I want to be the center. And they had this great privilege of having God at the center, a visible sign of his favor and dwelling among them. God's people were the people that God dwelt with. It was a huge privilege. In fact, that's an understatement. It was everything to them. He was their savior, their provider, their deliverer, their strength, their redeemer. Their whole world was wrapped up in being in the presence of God. God and the people then made a promise to each other. God said, okay, we're going to be, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. Uh, This is, can we agree on this is how that's going to look? And they said, yes, we can. Yeah, we will take up what you've asked us to do because we want to be your people. A bit like an engagement, a wedding engagement. Let's promise ourselves to each other. Yeah, okay, let's do it. They put a ring on the finger. uh, and, And yes, we consecrate ourselves to each other. And then God goes to the mountain to talk with Moses. And at the bottom of the mountain, God's people ruin everything. The Israelites ruin everything. While he's gone... They panic. He's never been gone for more than a... Uh, Moses has never been gone for this long. We, we don't know what to do. Where's the presence of God? Uh, and they make a golden calf to, to worship. 
They put their trust in a golden calf. The Bible even mocks them. It says that they would worship something made by their own hands. If you think about it, it is, it is quite laughable, but it's ter- terribly sad. And yet we can be kind of sympathetic with them in that moment when we think, I need, I need peace, I need joy, I need value. And we don't see God as near. We, we will quite quickly make something else to be the alternative to God's presence. I need my rest. Where am I going to find my rest? I will make something else my rest. I'll find my peace. I'll find my fulfillment in something else. We sang today, I'll serve no other God but you. We can sing that on a Sunday and then we can walk out of church and within hours we can be serving another God. Because we, we, we don't push into the presence of God. We don't push into, no, he is my satisfaction. He's my fulfillment. And one commentator says that as God comes down and finds what the people have done, it would be like coming home to a bride on his wedding night, finding her in bed with another lover. God is broken hearted. He responds by telling Moses, Moses, you're going to have to stand back. I'm going to wipe this people out. I'm going to consume them. His, his glory and righteousness, he's been so favorable to them. He's come and rescued them. He's provided for them. He's delivered. He's shown amazing exploits of power, spread the, uh, the, the Red Sea. They could walk through on dry land. They have seen him produce and provide amazing works for them, and they've betrayed him. He says, I'm going to consume them. But Moses appeals to God's mercy, the mercy that he's seen throughout. It's not like God is this horrible God that, God has to, that Moses has to make him merciful. No, Moses has seen God's mercy again and again and again. And he appeals to that mercy. He says, God, be merciful. He mediates. He is the mediator interceding between God and man. And God spares them. But God does say when it was time to move on from Sinai, the mountain, to the promised land, God says, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go out among you, lest, I'm, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. This was huge to them. It's huge when the people of God, the people of God's presence realize everything we are, everything we're wrapped up in is being pulled away from us. The gravity of the disastrous consequence of their action hits them so hard, they go into mourning as if someone died. If God's presence is not with us, we're at the end of the road. This isn't just a setback. We are at the end of the road. There's no point in continuing. And here there's a crossroads for us. This should send a little bit of a chill down our spine. It should stop us in our tracks. This is where we ask the question, what am I aiming at? What is my promised land? Sadly, so many of us tend to set our sights on godless promised lands. We're happy and content with destinations that promise every good thing, but not God, not God's presence. When you think of finally arriving, when you think of being home, of being fulfilled, what do you think of? What comes to mind? I've got a a high cultural reference here. In the Disney movie, Finding Nemo, there is a a scene where uh, Dory and her friend Marlon uh, come to, they feel like they've come to the end of their search for another missing fish. I'm getting all emotional here. And and Marlon says, you know, he starts to to swim away and Dory says, 
she, she's, they're good friends, and uh, he starts to, to, to give up and leave. And he starts to swim away as if he's going to abandon her. And she says, stop. I've got it written down. Oh, yeah. She says, stop. Please don't leave me. No one has ever stuck with me for so long before. When I look at you, I am home. And I wonder for you, what's your home? What's your rest? We all find our rest in something. We all find our home in something. Perhaps you strive for something. You know, when I get that thing, I will be at rest. I will be at peace. When I'm freed from this addiction, I will have found fulfillment. When I'm free from anxiety and fear, when I have that healing, when this, when this annoying disease or pain has gone, then I will be fulfilled. Maybe it's, I want a happy marriage, then I'll be fulfilled. Or I want to be successful in my career, then, then I will be happy. I want true love, and then I'll be fulfilled. Maybe I just want to be happy. I'm not asking for a lot. That will be fulfillment for you. Some of us, it's, I want to be valued. I want to be respected. And then I'll be fulfilled. When people look at me and think highly of me, I will be fulfilled. We all look for rest in something. Maybe it's best indicated in what your picture of heaven is. If you think of heaven, the Bible teaches that there is a heaven. If you have a picture of heaven, what do you picture? Well, John Piper gives us a great challenge here. He's an he's a author, a preacher. He says this, If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? That's a challenge. To a Christian heart, that should be a heavy challenge. If you're completely free from the thing that you hate about yourself, that you want to be free from, if you were fulfilled emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and sexually, would you be fulfilled without Jesus? If you were finally assured that your friends and family loved you completely, that they're completely for you, they're completely trustworthy, they think highly of you, they're never going to hurt you and cause you any pain, would you be satisfied without Jesus? So many people, unfortunately, think that Christianity... Well, I think that God is there to help us get to where we are going. I think God is here for my use. And he will help me to know how to behave along the way. We fall into it and we get satisfied with what some people call moralistic therapeutic deism. It's a therapy for us. Make us feel better about ourselves. It involves a deism, a, a deity, a God. But, and it involves some morals, but it really is my therapy. And it consists, or it can be explained by maybe these five points here. Number one, a God, ex- a God exists who created and orders the world and watches over human life on earth. Okay, no problem there. Number two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Number three, The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about myself. Number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. Number five, 
good people go to heaven when they die. And you may not have really thought that any of those is an issue, apart from the fact that none of them include being the people of the presence of God. That we live with the presence of God. That we, he, in, who, in him we move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being, it says in the Bible. But look at the grief-stricken Israelites. They're not happy for God to go and leave them and say, you must go on, but I'm not going with you. They're not happy with that. They're not content with that. They go into mourning. They go into despair. It doesn't look anything like moralistic therapeutic days. And we need God. We need the presence of God. A, a good marriage, healing from your pains, freedom from anxiety and sin. They're not wrong. They're fantastic. Yes. But they are gifts that are to be enjoyed wrapped in the much greater, all-satisfying gift of being in God's presence. It's the gift of God himself. God's presence is the gift of God giving himself to us. I wonder if you think, if you're honest, if I'm honest with myself, I've I've been needing the stuff. I've been looking at the stuff, towards the stuff. Another high culture reference from me here, the sitcom Friends. I don't know if many of you saw that. Unfortunately, there was a time in my life where you probably could have started a quote from anywhere of the 10 seasons in Friends, and I could have ended it for you. Uh, Hopefully, that's not true anymore. Um, But there's a scene where Monica and, uh, what's his name, Chandler, they've got married, and uh, and they go on their honeymoon. They arrive at the airport, and there's a couple just in front of them that get to the desk before them. Uh, Some of you know it already. And... uh, and uh, this couple are on their honeymoon as well. And the, the, the clerk at the desk, she says, uh, oh, you're on your honeymoon. I can, I can bump you up to first class. And uh, they say, Thank you. that's lovely. And Monica and Rachel behind them go, they arrive at the desk. We're, we're on our honeymoon too. She says, yeah, okay. Can, can, can you do anything for us? Can you do a little trick? She says, oh, sorry, that was our last first class ticket. So they miss out on it. So they're going through the airport and they find, uh, they see the other couple going into the first class lounge where all the nice uh, privileges are. So they try and sneak in and uh, they actually get kicked out and they missed it. And then they arrive at their honeymoon destination at the hotel. And uh, would you believe it? This couple arrive just in front of them again. And uh, this couple arrive and they're, they're just hugging each other. They're in love. And the, and the person at the desk says to them, are you on your honeymoon? Oh, let's give you, as a gift from us, the honeymoon suite. And, and, and Monica and Chana behind them say, this is unbelievable. And they, uh, the, the couple turn around and they say, who are you? And they say, we're you, just 10 seconds later. <laughs> and the woman says, turns and says to them, we don't need the stuff. We're just here to celebrate our love. And uh, Chandler looks at his wife, looks back and says, we need the stuff. <laughs> and I wonder if you're honest with yourself. You've been looking for the stuff instead of wanting to celebrate your love for God. Instead of looking to God and saying, you are enough for me. We sing the song, how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. He should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How can I look at Jesus on the cross in all the pain with the wrath of God being poured out on him for my sake and look back and say, I need the stuff? How can I do that? I want him. I want to be a person that is in the presence of the living God. He's enough. The Bible says in him are streams of living water. You see, we don't just get 
peace from God. God is our peace. He gives us himself. We don't just get joy from God. He is our joy. He gives us himself. He is our hope. He gives us himself. He is our love. He gives us himself. Where do we find freedom? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So it isn't wrong to want freedom from sin or healing from wounds or joys in life, but it is that all of these things come to us in God's presence. He is the greatest gift that he gives. Psalm 87 says, all my springs of joy are in you. All my springs of joy are in you. If I go on from your presence into frivolities that are fun and great, I've lost everything. And this is what the Israelites knew. And Moses pleaded with them again. And God said, Moses, I'll remain with you, but not with the people. Moses replied, if your presence will not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of this earth? Moses is essentially saying, if you're not with us, what's the point? If he's not with us, what is the point? That's what makes us who we are. We've got to recognize this. Without God, we are nothing. We have no identity. We have no purpose. And God was amazingly merciful and kind and turned to Moses and said, This very thing you've spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. God was merciful and kind. He knew Moses. He had a friendship with Moses. Moses was the mediator. Why did God relent and agree to go with the people? Was it anything the people had done? No. It was Moses. Moses interceded. Moses was the mediator between God and the people. It wasn't anything that they had done to get there. So because of God's mercy and patience and grace and kindness, the Israelites would continue to know, yes, we are the people of God's presence. We're still the people of God's presence. Hallelujah. And they recognize it and they go on to say, yes, we still can have confidence. Little did they know that thousands of years later, there would be one who would be born that would be the embodiment of God's promise to be with man. Jesus Christ came to us as Emmanuel, God with us. Everything that God had promised, that they held on to these promises, Jesus came to fulfill. Jesus embodies all the mercy, the grace, peace, joy, steadfast love that abounds from God's character and anchors his promises. The one that I was talking about, all these promises of God being with his people, dwelling with his people, are fulfilled and seen in Jesus Christ. And Jesus, like Moses, became the mediator between God and man. Nothing that we have done has made us deserve God's presence. It's what Jesus did on our behalf that makes us able to go into God's presence. He made a way where there was no way. He made peace with God and gives us access to God's presence. Now we can come to the throne of grace, the Bible says, with confidence. We can draw near to the living God. With confidence we can say, our Father. We take that so for granted. It's ridiculous. We can call the God of heaven and earth our Father. I was praying this morning, worshipping, and it brought tears to my eyes so I can say mine. I can say that. He is mine. 
as ownership for me. He is mine because of what Jesus has done. And Jesus, in his generosity, says, when you pray, pray our Father. He's not saying you can pray to my Father as well if you want. No, he's saying, come in, come and pray our Father. Be part of this. I've made a way for you. And if that wasn't enough blessing, God has done even more to make his presence known to his children. God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell with those who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. We've become the tabernacle where God's Spirit dwells. We are the tabernacle. He lives in us. He couldn't be any nearer. It may feel he is distant, but he couldn't be any nearer. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Hallelujah. He will never. Jesus has done the work that needs to be done. He will never leave us. Nothing, the Bible says, can separate us from the love of God. You've got to let these words sink in. You can sit there and let them go over and think, oh, that was a nice music this morning. Or you can say, I want to chew on this. I need to get this in, that nothing can separate me from God's love. It might feel at times, as we sang, I will choose to believe. In Christ, God has forever made his home with humankind. And the truth of this is life-changing. We know... It is life-changing. We know uh, it's amazing, but how do we apply it? How do we engage with this in our lives? He's shown up in history. Amazing. We know that he promises to be with us in the future. Amazing. But what about now? What about now in my struggles today? When we look at the Psalms, we find examples of such personal and present encounters with the living God. Listen to David in Psalm 16. In your presence... There is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence. What joys is he talking about? Well, in this psalm in particular, he goes on to talk about protection and refuge. Savoring all good things. Delighting in an inheritance from God. Finding counsel and wisdom and guidance and assurance of his final destination in God's presence. His grace is enough, as we sang. His grace is enough. You can think, where are you, God? I'm going through real struggles. And the Bible says, my grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, know my strength. He can carry you. But there is, as John was saying, there is not just passivity on our part, but there is leaning into this. There is pushing into this. Where do you know in in your past, if you're a Christian here today, where do you know uh, you experience God's presence? Perhaps it's in times of praise with other believers. Maybe you need to push into that. Or maybe it's just worship, worship music. If you, if you listen to it with headphones and just shut your door, maybe you just know, that's, I just find I'm close to God. If that's the case, push into it. Make it a priority. If it is reading the Bible, my soul opens up and I, I just know God uh, turning my heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And Okay, do it then. Push in. If that's what gets you going. If, if you like reading deep theology, do it. If you like walking in the countryside and seeing creation and it melts your heart, do that. Do what it takes to be in the presence of God. Come on Sunday mornings because you're in the presence of God with the people of God. Don't deny yourself of that. Push into being in God's presence. Other Psalms describe experiencing the presence of God as the fortress ever-present help in time of need, a deliverer who brings us into a spacious place. If you're someone who struggles with anxiety, 
Don't you, doesn't that sound beautiful to think, oh, God brings me into a spacious place. All the chains fall off and I can know this freedom. I, I often feel closed in and God says, no, I can bring you into a spacious place. He's so kind to us. He's unchanging. David says that in God's presence, he finds blessing, favor, honor, and that even one day in God's courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. When God doesn't feel near, our faith is tested. We go through storms, our faith is tested. But there's a picture in the New Testament where Jesus is on the boat and there's a storm and the disciples are there. And Jesus is with them. He's asleep though. (laughs) And they panic and they, they, they panic in front of him. They wake him up and they're in distress. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, I fell asleep. He says, where's your faith? Don't you know I'm with you? Don't you know I am for you? I'm faithful. And we do need to have faith that he is for us. Our faith is tested in those times. But we need to get this. Now listen, this is important. His presence is far more than the feeling of his presence. His presence is far more than the feeling of his presence. He is unchanging even when our feelings change all the time. We sang earlier, you never change, you never faint, you never falter. I choose to believe you for good. I choose to. If I don't choose to and I'm just passive, can I expect to be comforted in times of storm and trial? I need to choose to believe you for good in those times. Will we believe what we know to be true even when we don't feel it? For the Christian, God remains faithfully present always. As we said, he will never leave us or forsake us. Because we know on the cross, Jesus was forsaken so that we never would be. He went through the the forsakenness so that we would never experience it. And in Christ now we know he is with us by his spirit all the time. My heaven, my promised land is to be In the completely revealed presence of God. So is yours. If you're a Christian here today, one day there is heaven for you. And that is defined by being in the undiluted presence of God. But why wait for heaven when he's made himself available to us now? He's made himself present with us now by his Holy Spirit. We need to begin to experience the best of what the future holds right now. As that Finding Nemo quote said, when I look at him, I'm home. We need that to be true for us. When I look at you, God, I'm home. I'm home. In the storm, I'm home. In the good time, I'm home. When I look at you. And some of you may have never experienced the knowledge of God's presence before. You may be here for the first time today. We really want to commend this God to you. He's a God who comes to be with his people. That's how we know our whole identity is wrapped up in being the people of the presence of God. If you've never put your trust in Jesus, that Jesus made a way for us to come into this presence, you can do it today. You can put your whole trust in Jesus. Say, God, I want to know. I don't want to know religion. I don't want to know rules. I don't want to know tradition. I, want, I like the sound of this God being with me, though. It is amazing. <laughs> it is life-changing. We don't stand here to do speeches. We come here to remind each other of the truth that we stand in. And if you've heard some stuff today that you think, this, if this is true, I want to invest in this. Well, God says in his kindness, he promises that even if, if we admit that like the Israelites, we search elsewhere, we've gone off the rails, we, we do our own thing. If we admit, yeah, God, I haven't been choosing you above all things, 
and I'm sorry and I ask for forgiveness. We can put our trust in Jesus, follow him, and he will come to our rescue and be with us forever. It's available for you today. If you're not a believer, I pray that, I've been praying that hardened hearts would be softened. That God would crack the ice of some of us who have got cold towards him. And that he would say, I am available to you. As the band come, I'm going to pray for us. Let's respond to God in worship and praise. Let's thank him for saying, I want to dwell with my people. That's what I want to be. And I want you to be identified as the people that I dwell with. We can enjoy his presence now. If you would like prayer afterwards, we'd love to pray for you. If you just know, I I just look to other things. I find myself unsettled in storms so easily. My emotions are up and down everywhere. I want to be on the rock. As I was praying earlier, I was thinking about that phrase, when you get the carpet pulled out from underneath you. And so many of us, we get the carpet pulled out from underneath us if there's a, a bit of trouble in life. But the thing about the Christian is he's not standing on a carpet. Standing on the rock of Jesus. So we shouldn't get unsettled so easily. So we must go back and say, no, I'm standing on the rock of Jesus. I won't be so easily pushed about to the left and the right. Let's enjoy that together as we respond. Your grace is enough. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for what you've done to make it possible for us to be a people of the presence of God. That you dwell in us as individuals, that you love to dwell in us corporately as your people. We pray bless us. I pray bless this town through your presence through this church. Let us be a people who raise the name of Jesus. You said, where my name is raised up, I will draw men unto myself. We pray that many would come to know Jesus and be set free. They would find their home in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.